Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for. And sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Lydia M. Sigworth is an author and children's librarian. Being a librarian has been her dream job since she was a little girl. Well, either that or a time-traveling girl detective slash ballerina. Lydia lives in Platteville, Wisconsin, with her fluffy puppy, Agatha. Her absolute favorite thing to do is talk books with budding bookworms. Dear Librarian is her debut picture book. Here is my super fun conversation with Lydia. Hi, Lydia. Thanks for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I was so excited. I love finding other librarians scattered through these United States, but I was really lucky that your book was suggested to me by actually your publicist who said, I think you might be interested in this book. And I hadn't read the title yet and I read the book and loved it. So I'm just so happy to talk to you today. And it appropriately is called Dear Librarian. It's perfect for your podcast. It's like (laughs) I wrote this book just to be on your podcast. Oh my gosh. And I really, nobody appreciates that more than me. Thank you. I needed guests. So we're good to go. Tell me about, okay, so this started, it sounds like when you were on This American Life, which many listeners will have heard of as previously discussed, only slightly less well known than Ask a Librarian. (laughs) Only slightly. (laughs) So tell me about that. How did that all come to pass? So I can very interestingly trace this whole experience back to like one group chat message in 2018, I guess, um, late 2018, that with a group of librarians. And of course, and someone sent out Stephanie Fu, who's a producer on This American Life, sent out a tweet that she had made about, hey, we're doing a library episode, send me your stories. And they were like, oh, this is going to be great. This American Life student library episode. And I said, oh, I wonder I could send in my story because um, these librarians are very close friends of mine. Okay. And so they, they knew about my childhood. And I will never, ever let them forget. One of them was like, don't think that's this American Life material, Lydia. And oh. I love her. She's still one of my <laughs> closest friends. But she she was not like, do it, girl. <laughs> I, I, oh, what a great thing to be able to hold over someone's head head for the yes. rest of your life. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Like, if I listen to you. <laughs> okay. So besides the naysayer, everyone else said, this is a good idea? I don't think we really discussed it. I'm sure okay. I could do that. Perfect. And then I went and I sent Stephanie a... Uh, Stephanie Fu a quick DM to just be like, hey, this kind of summary 
is this what you'd be interested in? She was like, yeah, send me an email. And so I sent her an email and I didn't hear anything for at least a month, more like six weeks. And I just been like, you know what? Not on anything coming from this. And I really, it was completely out of my mind. And then Thanksgiving that year, the week before Thanksgiving, I was so sick. I had mm. a terrible flu. I ran a fever for multiple days and I wasn't checking any emails or anything like that. Right. Um, one evening I woke up and like finally, suddenly my, my fever had cleared. I was like, oh, I feel like a human for the first time in days. And it was also like that when you like sleep all day and you wake up and it's dark and you're really disorientated. Yes. But I was like, I should check in with the world, see what's going on. So I checked my email and I have an email from Stephanie who basically saying, hey, are you free Wednesday? Can I fly out? And I said to my sister, who was also my roommate, I was literally like, I need you to like pinch me because I'm really sure this is a fever dream. Like I was 99% sure I was in the middle of a fever dream because like I was already disorientated. And then it's like, and then you get an email that's changing your life. Like that's such a fever dream. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. And it's so cliche to be like, pinch me, I'm grieving. But like it, I needed someone to like slap me to be yes. like, are you awake and wake me up? But it was real. It was not a fever dream. Okay. Um, and also quick pause. Yeah. Uh, did your sister pinch you and or slap you? And is she the type of sister that would just enjoy that enough? Because I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> she did kind of pinch me, but like really nicely. She's okay. a really good, nice person. That's so great. Okay, yes, continue. So I, she, I'm very lucky. So she grounds you in reality again. Yes. You respond to the email and say, oh, I'm busy. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> um, so it was such a huge turnaround. Like this was like, I think the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and she flew out that next Wednesday. And we talked about, we talked for a full day. Like it was just the most magical experience. Stephanie, who is a, just a wonderful person and is, as a journalist, just so impressive. Her her debut book actually just came out. It's like a bestseller. It's called What My Bones Know. I just started reading it right now. And she's a very fascinating childhood story that she also shares in her book. So she was just such a wonderful person to talk to. And just being with her helped me remember so much. Like, mm. I don't know what the magic she has that makes people like talk about their feelings and memories, but she's got it. And we just spent a whole day just talking about libraries and what they mean. And then we went to the library that I'd been to as a child and I got to revisit it. And then she took me to meet my childhood librarian for the first time in like 20 years. And I like cried oh. so much. <laughs> like I just I, cried and cried and cried. <laughs> I can only imagine. That sounds about right. Wow. Yeah. And it was just a magical experience. The I never will get over that moment of feeling this deep, an instant connection to someone who was in who was a stranger but isn't mm. like they they she seemed like a stranger i didn't know her at all i hadn't seen her in 20 years but i still that connection that bond was still there 20 years later wow let's for those who haven't read the book let's just mm -hmm. kind of summarize your well the book is obviously based on your story so will you tell mm -hmm. me the story of 
dear librarian, you started in Colorado, which we talked about because we were just discussing afternoon thunderstorms there, which you were saying <laughs> you remember as a kid. But you had your family was seven siblings, correct? At that time, yes. It okay. was I had five older sisters, and then there was me, and then I have a little brother. And due to some financial stresses, my parents moved from where we lived in Denver to Iowa. Um, because that's where family was. And due to the financial strain, my family was under while my dad was trying to start a new job and provide for his family. We didn't have anywhere to live. We lived for about six months with either family members or with some friends. And technically, under definitions, we were homeless at that point. Right. Because, and that's actually the way, you know, it's... The way people think about homelessness, I think if I say homeless, people are going to picture someone under a bridge, which living under a bridge, which is a terrible thing that is happened to way more Americans than should happen in a modern and successful nation. Um, But that's how we picture it. But that is the most extreme form of homelessness. And that definitely needs to be addressed. Those people need to be cared for in our society. But Homeless children are almost always in the situation I was in, where in that they are living in a non-permanent housing. They're doubled up with friends or family or in a situation like that. And that can be extremely traumatizing and difficult for children to not have a safe space, a home, that stability in that in a time when they just don't have their own spot, their own place. They don't have a home. And I was really lucky because during that pretty traumatic time, I was at the library every day. My mom took my siblings and I to the library almost every single day. Because even if we were staying with grandma or a cousin or an aunt or dad's friends, that changed from night to night. But the library was an everyday thing. So during that time, We lived at the library, essentially. When our family talks about that period of our history, like I was referred to it as the year we lived at the library. And that Mm. was an understood period of time in our family history. So during those six months, I formed a very special bond with the librarian there because she saw me every day and she was just unendingly kind and supportive and helpful to our family during that time. And, you know, I was not yet six, so I I couldn't grasp our family situation. But obviously, even at not yet six, you're still kind of like, this isn't great, and not feeling super happy or comfortable. And in that point, I just like latched onto this adult that I was like, she's safe, she's comfortable, I trust her. Mm -hmm. And those six months, set a trajectory in my life that I went on to become a librarian myself because of how important those six months were to me. There is so much to love about that story. Thank you, first of all, for bringing up what you mentioned about our conceptions around homelessness. And you're right, certain words really evoke an image for most of us in our minds, and it doesn't always line up with just the full spectrum of of situations that that refers to. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about reminds me to Christine McDonald, who's also a librarian. She wrote a book called Sanctuary, which is about Mm -hmm. Rosie's place in Mm -hmm. Boston. And she talked about the Great Depression and how afterward there was a lot of trouble for women and children because people would say, well, women, there are no homeless women. 
women, mm-hmm. it's not a homo, it's not a women's problem or a women's issue. And when you were saying that, I was thinking also of just the different ways it impacts different people. So like you're saying for children, it's such a different experience. And in the book, you did a good job about talking about, I think it was aunt, uh, aunt Eloise. I'm going to have to aunt Linda. Aunt Linda. Wow. I was way off. Okay. Let me grab well, this book. It, it is my actual aunt. So it, it makes sense that I was. <laughs> so remember. it's easier. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> so, but you said about Aunt Linda's house not being able to touch the things. And I thought that would be such a formative thing for a kid. You're exactly right. There's not stability, but also this lack of ease that yes, you have a place to stay, but it's not your place. Yeah, and it was so interesting because when I had my aunt read over the manuscript before it was published just to make sure she was comfortable with it, and she was like, you you could have touched the stuff. Like, she she was upset that I had gotten that impression, but I was like, it wasn't that you were this, you know, yes. don't touch the stuff, Lydia. It was just that I, I didn't, those aren't my things. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I want to stay here, and if I break something, somebody might get mad at me, you know, and that just because you don't tell kids something doesn't mean that's not the impression they get in that situation. So that's so true. What you're saying that that makes total sense. Just that they, and I think the impressions that we get in childhood are so oftentimes more, much more powerful. Mm -hmm. And those stories really lodge themselves really quickly. So you're right. You know, that wouldn't have to be said, but it feels like Kind of like going to a friend's house to a, for a sleepover, which is always mm-hmm. just the weirdest experience, I think, when you're small. Yeah, yeah. No, you're they're totally right. That's a very similar feeling there. Another like stereotype or yeah. misconception I wanted to kind of combat was this idea that like if children are homeless or in a bad situation, like somebody messed up, like mm. bad parents did bad things. And that was not my situation. Obviously, there are situations where there's been some neglect sure. um, or something like that, that those need to be taken care of. Those kids often need to be taken out of that situation. You know, that's a whole separate thing. But my, you know, my parents are very hard workers. My dad always did his best to provide for us. But so many families, especially now, are just on a verge of being in the situation. In the situation my family was in, no fault of their own. Yeah. My dad had a job, but it was new and he had to work his way up the ladder to be in a you know good position. We had to find a house that was large enough for my family. And all these different things are happening that it's like no one failed in the yes. situation. It just became what it became through no one's fault. Like there's not someone to point a finger at in that situation. It's just the way it was. I appreciate you saying that, and I agree there's that sort of, I think, precarity, and it's easy to, it's a lot more comfortable to sort of categorize certain experiences like that because mm-hmm. it makes us feel like, oh, well, that won't happen to me because of X, Y, Z. And it's it's not like that. It's mm-hmm. just there are various areas where people can fall into circumstances or end up in circumstances, and like you're saying, it's no one's fault, and it's not... It's not because of, there's no real reason that we can point to or blame. It just is what is because that is the reality for a lot of people throughout their lives. Yeah, and that's why one of the reasons I believe in libraries so strongly is that because they're available for everyone all the time, they are there. Like It's not like we're only here for you if 
this happens and that happens. So therefore you're in this bad situation. Then we can help. We're there at every point in your life. So you're going through good times. Library's here for you. You're going through bad times. Library's here for you. And you don't have to prove to us it's a bad time for us to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of social services are, are like that because you know, I got to fill paperwork and all that before you can get the help you need. Whereas libraries don't require that. And I think it just makes the help just more immediate and more meaningful. Yes. That makes my heart warm the way you said that. You don't have to prove to us that you're in a bad time. You can just come and be and find what you need. And that's a really beautiful sentiment. I So tell me about so you had this reconnect, but tell me about your path to becoming a librarian. I mean, it sounds like you always knew that was what you wanted to do. Yeah, there was never a point in my life where that wasn't the plan, which as a millennial, I think I'm very lucky because I feel like my generation is all about like trying to find our passions. I I think that would be difficult because I'm like, no, I always knew what I wanted to do. That is miraculous. That's very exciting. So I'm privileged there. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I started volunteering at my local library when I think I was like 14 and I'm almost 31. So I have worked at some level in the library setting for over half my life now. Um, And I just kept working and I went to school and I worked through school and I went back to school and I worked through school that way too. And I've now worked in like literally every level of the libraries. I've paged, I've done CERC, I've somewhat successfully worked reference, but now I, I work primarily, I'm a children's librarian now and I, all ages, but primarily like middle grade and teens now. Oh, what a great area to be in right now. There's middle grade is just booming. I talk about it all the time because I feel like there's so many incredible titles. Yeah, it's, I'm really excited about where I feel like middle grade is going because there's both just, oh, I just will read the silliest, goofiest books that just like bring me so much joy. And then I turn around and read this like super meaningful book about the refugee experience. And like, these are both for the same kids. And I, I just love that those both exist now that we have like the really silly stuff and the really deep, meaningful stuff. Cause I, cause kids are, want that. They want to feel those big feelings. Absolutely. You're right. It does give them a gateway to feel them. That's a really mm-hmm. good way to put that, that they want to feel those big feelings. Yeah. I love that. What do you love about being a librarian? What's your favorite part of the job? Oh gosh. I love, I love the kids. I love Mm -hmm. how they look at the world. I love that. I never know what someone's going to ask me. Like I never can predict it. Like, okay. Can I predict that, you know, a lot of 12 year olds just like really get into like Titanic books for some reason. Cause they're like, I'm going to read about tragedies. Yes. Like, yes. Some of it is predictable, sure. but it's also not at all. The One of my favorite library stories is a kid who wanted the after quill. I looked it up, oh. after quill, and I looked it up, and I was like, who's the author? And he he had a book, and he's like, I want the after quill. I'm like, okay, so the same author wrote after quill. Like, I'm not finding it, I'm not finding it. And so I'm like, okay, so where did you get this title? I'm like, maybe he's misremembering the title. He's like, you know, like the prequel, but after. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) And I was like, sequel? He's like, yeah, the sequel to this book. 
I was like, it should be called that. You, your logic here is flawless. <laughs> Someday I'm going to write the after quill in, in honor of that kid. That is a genius idea. The after quill. I love that. And kids do. I will say, I love that feeling that you're describing where they come in with some random sort of cobbled together words that mm. barely make sense. Mm-hmm. And they can somehow you find your way to the right book. I feel like I've won the lottery when that happens. It's like solving a mystery. I think the, yes. the mysteries are like my favorite part of figuring out what, and sometimes the mystery is like the perfect title for this kid who doesn't know what they want. Sometimes yes. the mystery is figuring out what they're even talking about. Sometimes the mystery is like, well, this book was here and they said they returned it, but it's still on the account. And this library thinks that, yeah, sometimes it's at administrative mysteries and sometimes it's patron mysteries. So yeah, I just love solving all the mysteries. You're so right. I enjoy the, well, sometimes I enjoy it. Sometimes it annoys me. The book damage mystery. where things will come in. And I did have a kid recently who had clearly peeled something off of the, an elephant Mm -hmm. and piggy book. He had peeled off some of the Geisel metal. And Mm -hmm. so it's peeled back. And I said, it was two times in one day that both, and they both happen to be elephant and piggy. I mean, I don't know if you find this, but those books just get abused. Oh, they really do. (laughs) Well, because they're, they're in and out and they're, so those early readers who yes. don't quite have the really good small motor movement yet. Yes. Yeah. No, they're very well loved. Indeed. So this friend had definite excellent small motor skills. And I <laughs> called him over and I said, I have a question for you about what happened here. And he said, well, I have to tell you something. I did that. And I said, oh, okay, good to know. And so he was explaining. He said, I I wanted to see, I mean, he was basically just wanted to see what would happen. And he did. And so I told him, you know, thank you for telling me the truth and we won't worry about it and we're going to work it out. And then I had another kid later that day. I said, did you do this? And he said, well, let me think about that. And I just said, if we have to think about it, me thinks that you are going to tell me something that's not true in about 10 seconds. But they're just so, kids are so fun that way. You're so right mm-hmm. being with mm-hmm. them. And I I love that. Do you have a favorite age that you like to recommend books to? Oh, gosh, that is a wonderful question. It, I think it all depends on the kid. Okay. Like, I like the difficult ones. We're like, no, you don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like that. Like, I like those ones because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get you, kid. Yes. Which sounds aggressive. <laughs> um, so aggressive. But, but I totally get that cool. feeling where you're like, oh, we are now locked in a, an epic battle struggle and I am going to win. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. And, you know, you don't always win, but the times no. that you do finally find something yes. and you're like, yeah, I beat this kid and their bad attitude or, you know, <laughs> it could be of other course. factors. But of often course. it's a lot of times, at least public libraries, I have to get the parent out of the situation. That's and a, then, yes. Yeah. Then I can get the kid to, you know, be like, like, mom isn't here to say that looks good. You know, like. And my other favorite thing to give to really difficult kids is stuff like um, A Tale Dark and Grim. Yes. Oh, so twisted. 
so gory and so good. And I like to tell them to be like, and it's the original fairy tales. Like, I actually wrote my thesis on this. This is how it really is, you know? It's awesome. And yeah, I get all academic on them, but then I but this is for you and I wrote a big project on it this is basically that and yeah so I really like like the tough readers mm. or the reluctant ones but like tough to please particular. yeah and then I don't know I like the kids that are just like game for anything and I was like mm. what about this or what about this and I love that although I do have pretty strict motto for myself with those kids to just you know look at them like have a moment where I'm like you can say no to anything I say, because this is your choice. Like, just because I'm like, how about this book? I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm a grown up here and you want to do what the grown up tells you to do. I'm not telling you to do. Like, you can keep saying, no, I am, I have all the time in the world. I am here until we find something that makes you like sparks joy or something like that. Because so many of them, like, I feel like either kids say, no, 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 or it's just like, okay. Whatever you give me, I'll take. And you got to find that middle ground. Yes. What a good reminder that sometimes those agreeable friends of ours aren't necessarily mm-hmm. agreeable because they feel that deeply there or th- because they really are agreeing. They're just wanting to be agreeable. Yes. So that's a really good point, kind of giving them the freedom to say no. And what you mentioned that's a difference that you and I have because I'm in the school library, so we don't have parents and it does change things. It's just a shift, right? So Mm -hmm. you're right. Kind of allowing those kids to step into what they want to do. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Another one of my favorites for those hard to please readers is Alvin Ho. Have you ever read Alvin Ho? No. I'm assuming it's like an Ivan Ho ripoff, right? It's, I don't know. Because I it's was about that nerd who actually read Ivan Ho when I was like. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to go back and look at the uh, synopsis of that. But Alvin Ho is a kid who doesn't, like in the first book, all of them are allergic to girls' school and camping. And they all, he's allergic to all these things. He really doesn't like anything. And in the first (laughs) one, he goes to see a psychotherapist and he explains why that's so dangerous because it's a psycho. And it's, they're just so clever and funny. And Uh, anything that makes me laugh out loud, I agree. I'm pushing on these kids. I love a clever middle grade book because I think kids want to be in on the joke. And so often they don't get to be in on the joke. Yes. But this looks like thinks that they're funny and clever and they get in on the joke there. So 
Yeah. Yes. I, although, okay, after I was all like, oh, I'm so accepting. I want to help the kids. There's also books, especially with my teens. But I'm like, you're going to read this and you're going to like it. And if you don't <laughs> like it, lie to me. Because this book is amazing. So, so what what would be an example of one of those books? Oh, gosh. I'm like fully invested and obsessed with Megan Whalen Turner's The Thief series. Oh, I don't think I know that one. Julie. Okay. I I have started like a cult of of people obsessed with this book. Um, A non-dangerous cult, everyone. It's fine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's another thing you asked me what I was into. I'm really into cult documentaries. (laughs) So I like, I know how to start one and it was going to be a cult. Like that's probably a, a not as dangerous one. No, like a fun one. Yeah, fun, fun, friendly cult. No problem. <laughs> I'm very active on like Twitter and, and Instagram and all that. So I have started a little army of people that I have talked about these books enough to get them to read it, and then they get other people to read it. And I'm just, I'm actually, I'm like multi level marketing this. There it is. Like yes, I have a downline yes. of uh, Queen Speed. <laughs> I'm not making any money off of it. Megan is like, bless her. But yeah, we can be happy for her. (laughs) And I, I appreciate the backbreaking work you're doing. Well, I will happily sign up for your MLM. (laughs) Hopefully there's a bonus in it for me, but even if there isn't, I'm in. So I'll, I'll put that on my next to read so we can discuss it. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah. So you start with the thief. Okay. You are not allowed to read anything about the series. Like you just have to go into it blind. Okay. Because she is the queen of twists. I'm so excited. And I love that you told me not to read anything because I don't actually read the backs of books. (gasps) Me either. If I can help it, I don't. And yeah, like even the titles later in the series are spoilers for the first couple of books. So like you start with The Thief. Okay. And it's kind of boring in the beginning. Okay. That's on purpose because Turner is a genius. Like just trust me on this one and then you have to get back to me. We'll talk about it. I got to meet. (sighs) author once it was like the most glorious day of my entire life oh my she gosh hugged me stop did you trip over yourself were you drooling a little bit <laughs> no she also <laughs> told me I was smart because I knew how to do the self timer on my phone for a picture like so she told me I was smart she hugged me like I'm not much of a fangirl of real life people but yeah it well, was fantastic we're all allowed one so, yes. I mean, definitely that it sounds like it was well used. I mean, and calling you smart and hugging you, that's, I'm so excited. Okay, I can't wait to start. I might crack that open this weekend. Can Ooh. I listen to it on audio or should I read it? Read oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge audiophile. Okay. I Actually, this is my, my new soapbox because when the pandemic started, like a year ago exactly, yeah. at least for us here, I my attention span was shocked. Like it was really bad and it hasn't recovered, but moving to audio and working from home, I was working from home. So I listened to audiobooks really to just keep myself from spirally and in, in anxiety because it's been difficult two years. Absolutely. I had an audiobook going 24 hours a day. And I, because I listened so much, I was really able to get up to like two times speed because I you know, could just process it faster once I got used to it. So I actually read 400 books last year of middle grade and up. Wow. 400. Yeah. Yeah. 
mostly because audio, like I can be doing anything and also listening. That's fantastic. And you have an excellent point in terms of the speed that you can listen at. Mm -hmm. Because I find that even I'll usually start around 1.2 just so I can Mm -hmm. get a feel of the narrator and the rhythm. And then, but yeah, by the end, you can really crank it up. And it's, it's a nice thing to do because we don't really realize it. But for most of us, we do that when we're reading on paper too. We speed up as we move through the book. Mm-hmm. So it's the same principle. But I think for a lot of people, they slog through it one-to-one speed the whole time. And that some of those audiobooks can get really long in the tubes that way. Yes. And I'm I'm not into big books, honestly. Okay. I, I like my books short and pithy. And the great thing about audio for me as well is if I'm not feeling a book, I just up it to like three times speed. And I'm like, something's happening. I don't know. I finished it. <laughs> so it sort of soothes your inner achiever while also not wasting too much time. Yeah, pretty much, oh. pretty much. This year, I'm not going for the, the 400. At the end of last year, I was like, I can do it and just like really push through a lot of books. Totally. This year, I'm going to be more strategic, more quality over quantity. But yes, I'm a huge audiobook person, huge, huge, huge into it. And uh, it yeah, changed my life, definitely yeah. upped my ability to, I think, be a better informed librarian because a lot of those 400 that 400 books were like shorter, early middle grade stuff that I can now be like, hey, I've read that. Yes. Was it not my type of book? Yes. But it was an hour of my time on audio while I also did the dishes. So I've read it now. Yes. You're right. That really does help. That's a good recommendation. I listen to audiobooks a lot when I'm shelving. And mm. that really helps me because otherwise I think... And you mentioned it. I think for those of us that tend to be a little more anxious, which I think Mm -hmm. is all of us pandemic related, but then also some of us that are just tuned that way a little bit more, there is something about audiobooks sometimes take just the right amount of attention. So it can take Mm -hmm. the edge off of that anxiety without requiring so much focus, like you said. So it's not a lot of pressure. And like... You, we've all heard it said before, like books are friends and it makes you yeah. feel not alone. But especially during a, a year of quarantining, like having just those voices also yes. was like, I'm not alone. Like there's there's someone else here, even if it's the narrator of the audiobook. Yeah. My dog. But you know, Less voices lonely. and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all need. Audiobooks, dogs, and just Maybe some, maybe some good shows, for example. Now I know mm-hmm. that you, so we talked about maybe the, the things we would discuss while we were on our podcast. I would love to hear, you're a musicals fan. Is that right? I am. So tell me, do you have a favorite and have you seen Schmigadoon? Those are two separate questions. Oh, I totally forgot about Schmigadoon. It's totally been on my watch list. Oh. We need to watch Schmigadoon. Yes, I will read the book. You watch Schmigadoon. My whole family okay. loved it. And I have teenage boys. It looked fantastic. Oh, and I don't, it was on my watch list and I forgot about it. I'm so happy you recommended it to me. Good. Um, perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm about musicals and favorites. I'm the same way about books and favorites. Like okay. it depends on my oh, mood yes. and what's going on. I, goodness gracious. What's your go-to if you're feeling, if you're feeling happy, like your happy musical? Ooh, 
like I'm in a good mood and I want to turn on a musical, which one is it? My sister's in the room, so she like <laughs> knows what I play. <laughs> oh, Matilda. And she loves me. She loves me is a good one. Have you heard she loves me? No. Okay, so here's another like very weird niche obsession I have. Okay. So the movie You've Got Mail. Oh, I love You've Got Mail. Is based on a Hungarian play from the 30s that was translated to an English version called Shop Around the Corner. Yes. It was then turned into a movie with Jimmy Stewart and Gene Arthur. Okay. And then it was turned into a musical version of the play with Judy Garland called In the Good Old Summer Time. And then it was turned into a Broadway version called She Loves Me, I believe, in the 60s. I had no idea it had hit so many formats. Yes, it is. It's like multiple musical formats. Okay, She Loves Me. I'll have to, I will look it up. It was re-released or re done, what is that called? Revived in like 18, I think, um, with Zachary Levi. Oh, I love him. (sighs) Something Benetti. Laura Benetti and Laura Benetti. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Okay. Like my favorite. And I, so the, the story, the original like Hungarian play story, I've seen every iteration ever done of it. I read the original Hungarian play, not in Hungarian. I'm not like that smart. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love it. Like I just desperately want someone to fall in love with me through letters. Um, well, also being secretly mean to me, I guess. Something you should probably talk to my therapist about. But so I love that. And then actually kind of piggybacking off of that, the other mu- like niche musical I'm obsessed with is called Daddy Logwigs. I have not heard of that one either. Okay. You're it's really like, going into the archives here. The rest of us is like hairspray or whatever. No, no, okay. I swear continue. I'm really basic. I swear. <laughs> like I also love Les Mis and Hamilton. Of course. But everyone's heard that. Okay. What is Daddy Longlegs about? Okay. So another book recommendation. Oh, I also love Mamma Mia. See, I am oh, basic. Okay. I love Mamma Mia. Well, of course. I mean, who doesn't? So yeah, Daddy Longlegs, it's a book by Gene Webster from like the 1920s or 19-teens, okay. one of the two, and um, it's an epistolatory novel, so it's told through letters. I love which those. Is like, oh, yes. I'm going to give you my list because they're like literally my favorite thing. That's so great. Uh, Night Owl from Dogfish as a recent yes! one. Yes, yes, love, love, love. So good. Okay, so continue. And so, the audio of it, it's also fantastic. Oh, Yes, audio, especially with those, when you have multiple characters and multiple Mm -hmm. narrators. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. so happy. Perfect. Yeah. So it's told through letters and it's about this orphan. So it's very Anne Shirley. This orphan who is sent to college by this mysterious benefactor, like to a girl's college, which love 1920s girl colleges stories, (laughs) like so fun. Um, And so she's supposed to write letters to this mysterious benefactor to like... So they can keep up on her progress and everything like that. And okay. She's so funny and clever, very Anne Shirley-esque type character. And she's just the most charming character. There's, of course, some era-accurate, unfortunate elements. Of course. But overall, it's one of my favorite sad orphan books, but not sad, plucky orphan books. And then plucky. they made it into a musical. So, like, I'm sure... A lot of people are like, okay, this musical's fine. I guess it's got some 
find songs into it, but I'm like, it's one of my favorite books and there's songs. <laughs> I love this plucky orphan and her story. So the title comes from the the orphan has name's Judy, only saw the shadow of the man who's sending her to college from like far away and it was like the light was weird so it looked and he was tall so it looked like he was like a spider the shadow had like all these arms and legs and it looked like he was a spider so and he's anonymous so she calls him daddy long daddy long legs mm-hmm. wow i am gonna have so much to do i'm not even gonna be able to talk to my family this weekend which is probably <laughs> gonna be great for them actually <laughs> be like let's just blame a librarian from wisconsin <laughs> He would not stop talking about extremely neat stuff I appreciate it because I do think librarians specialize in the, they specialize in the random, right? Like yes. everyone, we're, uh, we are, let's see, we try to be a mile wide and an inch deep, yes. but within mm-hmm. that we are an inch wide and a mile deep with something you would never guess. Everybody has their marina trench of like, <laughs> yes. and mine is all the different ways a Hungarian play has been adapted. <laughs> oh, now, okay. So when you're finished watching the musicals though, you also said you are, you contain multitudes and it sounds like you also should discuss that you are a true crime person. Do you listen to yeah. like, like my perfect murder? No, I'm okay. a little bit of a snob about murder podcasts. <laughs> Everybody's into. I'm above. <laughs> Understood. So, what do you enjoy? Like, do you would you rather listen or read it, or is there one that's really stood out to you over the last I, few years? I tend. I shouldn't. I so I do like true crime. I'm more into true cults and <laughs> okay. Like, we're going to be specific. Like, I take two crimes and I'll take fictional cults. Okay. But, like, if we're going to be real specific, I love crime that happened in a cult. Got it. Cult <laughs> cult crime. <laughs> this could be a new genre. I feel like maybe we should co-author a book. Yeah, it's about yes. cult crime. Yes, cult yeah. crime. Okay, done. I mean, I feel like we are just... <laughs> I mean, the, the possibilities, you and I are now in our own MLM and it will yes. be the cold crime MLM and we can have a series of books and people can have them for the bargain price of $69.95. Yeah. yeah Just off the top fantastic. of my head. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. I like that you like really sold it. <laughs> I thought you would be like $29.99. Yet. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> it needs to be exorbitantly priced. That's That feels like one of the important hallmarks of of our future rise. Which I'm glad that we're partners now because I will talk about (laughs) cults for free for anyone who will listen to me. But you were like, no, Lydia, people need to pay to listen to you be like, okay. And then there was a female cult leader. (laughs) That's right. But I was also like, well, she's the only female cult leader. Should I be like, no girl, you broke that glass ceiling. Like I have very complicated feelings. Oh my gosh. I'm actually crying a little bit. This is incredible. I'm just, the possibilities are just endless. Oh, so. But I do also like fictional murder. Like I'm okay. a huge Agatha Christie fan. I read all like 98 of her books. Wow. In a year span. I love her. I named my dog after her. 
which is great because when my dog misbehaves, I'll be like, damn, Agatha Christie. Oh, yes. It works. Yeah. If I had a dog, I wanted to, we are too uptight and controlling for that. But if we did have a dog, I would have named it Dr. Leo Marvin from the movie. What about Bob? (laughs) So that I could go outside and yell, Dr. Leo Marvin. But I don't think it's in our future. Maybe maybe there's something else I can name like that. I'll I'll get back to you. I'll put it on my on my idea list. Just okay. under just under our, our cult books. It's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. I th- mm-hmm. I'm really excited. So now that we know so much of what you are into and what you enjoy, I would love to hear something that you are really not good at that you wish you were good at. Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. I'm one of those people who like, I wouldn't say I'm like particularly charming or anything like that, but I rely on my charm to get me through almost everything. I'm definitely a fake it till you make it person. Okay. So I'm going to ask my sister again, what am I bad at that I want to be good at? Oh, I love this. I mean, I know so many things. (laughs) I love that we're consulting. She's thinking. Okay. Well, she knows me better than Absolutely. anybody else. We've lived together our entire lives. So. Of course. Yes. I love sisters for this. They will give it to you straight. One of these days I'm going to write about sisters. Oh, I would love that. I'm lucky to have a wonderful sister. So I think sisters are so special or can be. I think some are terrible, but luckily I don't have one. That's terrible. <laughs> If my sister says I want to, I want to be better at cutting remarks, which God. is true in the moment. Just I'll come home and be like, this thing happened. And then later I'm like, could have said this. That would look really funny. But I don't actually say it in the moment. Cutting I, remarks just later. In the moment. That's very Kathleen Kelly. That is on brand for oh, you. It is. It mm-hmm. is very Kathleen Kelly. She has a whole speech about it. No, I basically, yeah, I just want to be Kathleen Kelly. Well, of course, don't we all? Yes. No, that's probably that's probably the most petty thing I want to be. <laughs> well, that's good. I was going. I'm I'm always going for petty in terms of because we all have the big ones, right? Like, well, I want to be more more empathetic yeah. or whatever. But I really want to hear the down and dirty. Just <laughs> hear the. Here are the things I'm horrible about. Yeah, no, I do think I I do wish that I could be. What did you just say? Not food. The other one. My sister was like, "You want to be better at cooking because I'm terrible." <laughs> <laughs> yes. giving you areas of opportunity. Yes, she's fantastic at cooking and baking. So I'm like, that's taken care of. Like exactly. That's just good, good division of labor. <laughs> yeah, stay yeah. in your wheelhouse. No. No, I, I'm, there's so many ways. I, I'm one of those people though, that I think I am never done with anything, I yeah. guess. Like, okay. I guess I could say, you know, I'm good at writing, but I'm also like, no, I need to get, I need to be better. And I think every book I write will be better than the last one. I'm always reading because I need to be a better librarian. I need to be, you know, a better I need to be better at everything. So, but it's not like there's like this thing to go for. It's just like, you know, lifelong. Yes. And not even changing, just lifelong of, you know, adjusting. Yeah. Growing. Growing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I agree, right? There are always things we can and want to be better at, but also we're just who we are in the moment and that's enough Mm -hmm. too. I, 
am, I'm so glad we got to talk about books today. <laughs> now, I know when I had set up our meeting, I had told you to maybe come with a question for mm-hmm. me, even mm-hmm. though we've obviously covered all things librarian. But did you have a question for me? I do. Okay. If you could switch places with any fictional character and like, but you're stuck there. You can't come back. Remember, this character is now going to be in your life because you're switching places. Oh. What would you pick? Oh my gosh. That's such an amazing and also kind of cruel question. It is. Because I'm sure there's one that like you would enjoy the life the best, but you're maybe sticky. (laughs) 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 Totally. Right. If I want to be the evil stepmother in some story and I'm like, well, sorry, family. That's who you got now. (laughs) I mean, you're going to have power. You'll yeah. be good. Yeah. I mean, I'll enjoy it. Gosh, that is an excellent question. You know, the first one that comes to mind, and maybe it's because I think she's a little bit like me, is Flavia DeLuce. Love she's younger than I am, so that would be a little <laughs> weird. <laughs> but I think maybe Flavia or Morrigan Crow. Those are probably the two that pop up for me right now that I would love to be in their lives. And Mm -hmm. gosh, that's a really good question. I'm going to think about, I'll stick with Flavia for now because Mm -hmm. also because I love Dogger so much. Yeah. And so I would like to be with him. And for those listeners that don't know, this is a series by Alan Bradley and it starts with the sweetness at the bottom of the pie, which to me is a little bit of a slow burn, but then it really picks up. And I, I love it. It's those one books. of those few series that I actually haven't finished the whole series. I've been kind of partially knit out over okay. the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. I, in some ways I feel like the series gets better, which is so so not unheard of. I just finished the one where she's at boarding school in Canada. Yes. Like, was that? I think it's my favorite. I was like, how is book like eight the best? Like, this makes no sense to me at all. I couldn't agree more because I think if I had stopped with even the first two, I probably wouldn't have kept, I, I wouldn't have had it in my mind. But yeah, they mm. do. They get stronger with time. And I think he does such a good job of you get to know the characters and the Mm -hmm. development is really there. So plus the sisters, I just love all the dynamics between them when she puts the poison in her sister's lipstick. Yes. It's so accurate, especially, I mean, in that their situation, you know, where they're kind of neglected emotionally. I'm like, this would totally happen. Like sister, normal sisters would just a little bit poke at each other, you know, but then put in this really, emotional situation. Yes. Yeah, they, they would be like this. 100%. I'm going to maybe just mildly poison your chocolates. No big yeah. deal. No problem. Like, <laughs> and, the, and I'm going to enjoy it while you're a little bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And just the whole chemistry element too. I love chemistry. So I was a chemistry, not biology person. So for me, mm. chemistry was perfect. Oh, wait, I thought of the thing I'm bad at that I need to be good at. Okay. okay. Numbers? No. Yes. Number no numbers. No, I I'm bad at remembering numbers. Like I'm bad at the Dewey Decimal system. Like I'm so bad at it. These numbers, and I'm sure it's it's just the way my brain is sure wired. I cannot remember a number for the life of me. Like I'll walk back to the shelves, and I have quite a large room. Yeah, and the nonfiction is the very end, and I will be like in my head, I'll be like seven nine five point two seven, and back there I'm like. 
sevens. There was like a two in there somewhere. Right. I'm so bad at it. So I know where stuff is on the shelf. I know what stuff looks like, like the colors and everything like that. I'm like halfway down, last shelf. Yes. You know, kind of like hip height. Like I know where stuff is. You're like, what number is that? I'm like, mm, oh, I, latter I half of the maybe 600s. With, <laughs> yeah. So bad at a very integral part of librarianship, but I just fake my way through it. Well, I think despite that one challenging area, I have no doubt that you are a magical librarian. And it just makes me so happy to think about the way that you were loved and seen when you were young and that now you get to do that for other kids. What a gift. It's a privilege. It's oh. such a privilege. Uh, well, yeah. I am going to put your library on my list of places to visit. <gasps> Please do. That would be really fun. And we can cook up lots of plans and talk books anytime. Yes. And I love visiting libraries. I actually have a whole thing. I pose in a specific way in front of a library. I've been doing this since I was 15 years old. And I have like dozens and dozens of pictures. So I, but I love when people send them to me. So you'll have to send me a library picture. I'll, I'll, I'll show you. It's called my, Hey, look, a library pose. Okay. And my friends and families do it when they go traveling and they send me pictures of libraries. So I'll have to get a picture of yours. I would love that. That would be super fun. And actually I was recently at the Pleasanton library, which is in my town and we have wild turkeys around and the turkeys were down there. So yes. I'll try and get a picture of maybe the turkey doing Hey Look, a library. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to end for me, but it's close to a hospital, so it'll be We fun. actually had wild turkeys in my backyard growing up. Yeah. They would roost in the backyard, and they mostly were, like, fine. But one of my favorite – I was probably close to a teen at this point, so my favorite teenage memories was a wild turkey chasing my dad around the yard because <laughs> it thought my dad was – I don't know. Like, we're like, we live here. You haven't found a set name before, but it was like, my dad was a threat. And my dad isn't a person who runs. So oh. like 13 year old me watching my dad just like hightail it and a wild turkey just went after him. <laughs> like best, best memory. So. Oh, that mental picture will stay with me for quite a few days. That will be something to giggle at for a long time. And like, time. you know what my dad looked like when I was a kid, right? So you just have to picture that person in my yes. book being chased by a wild turkey. Um, oh, that's perfection. I can't wait. Well, I hope that everyone checks out your book. I would love to chat with you again. This was yes! so much fun. Anytime. And oh, because I asked you a question, I, yes. I owe you an answer. I would change with Miss Marple because... I want to be an old lady in a, like, English village, like, solving okay. murders. And my family would, like, get all these lovely knitted gifts, oh. and she would, like, take care of them. And any any murders happen here, and she'll take care of it. Like, I feel like it's a good switch. That's really considerate of you to think about their needs, and maybe if they need scarves or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people in that world are going to be like, you're not good at solving murders, but I'm like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> you fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. You're already prepared for it. I am prepared for anything. Well, Lydia, thanks so much for today. And we will definitely be in touch. And this was just a joy. So thanks for the time. Thanks for having me on. I had so much fun. Me too. Bye. 
Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.